Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast, Bampocalypse Now. My name is Matt Hudson. The joining me as ever is the statesman to my Kingsman. It's John Burke from bookreviews.com. John, how you doing, man? Pretty good, man. How are you, sir? Um, Good, good. Um, Saying off air that the isolation and quarantine is starting to drive me a bit, not quite loopy, not quite Jack Nicholson in The Shining, but um, it's, it's this is... Coming to the end of week two now of quarantine in the United Kingdom, and it's eerie, man. It's just strange. It's 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 tough. It's good to spend time with the family though, but it's also I also miss going out, you know, working, seeing friends, seeing uh, extended family. So, but one of the good things about quarantine is getting to watch as many films as we want. Hence, why we're doing these shows. But before that, how are you doing? Uh, about the same, you know, we are on the opposite side. We are just starting our official 30 day lockdown. We've been on like kind of lockdown for a couple of weeks now. Um, but it was a little more casual, but a lot, a lot of stuff was already closed. So it's not a significant change. It just feels more official now. Um, like our schools have been closed. A lot of businesses, non-essential businesses have been mostly closed. Um, but I think starting Friday, everything will be closed. In fact, uh, my local card comic shop that I, I attend frequently, um, he just messaged. We have a Discord group with our mm-hmm. our area. Um, he just messaged us that tomorrow will be the last days open for the next 30 days. So if there's anything we need or want before he's officially shut down, uh, swing by the shop. So I am going to have to make one last little stop in there tomorrow just to pick up a couple of things. But um partly just to help out my my local business because he's a, a great guy and we don't want the store to close because he's closed for a month um and uh you know it, it's the world we're living in right now it's scary and that's why these movies are both cathartic and also alarming at times um like we said with contagion and even outbreak to a degree um you know there it, it's nerve-wracking how accurate some of the behavior has been and uh, I'm I'm going to make some comments about the movies we're going to be talking about in the next couple episodes that I feel are uh, alarming while still being very, very entertaining. I, I fully agree. I Just this afternoon, I looked out my window and I saw a, a an airplane and a helicopter going straight at each other and I didn't understand what was going on. Then I realized I saw an outbreak. It makes so much sense now. What's going on with that? So, yes, it's the Bank For of sure. now. It's our little mini series where we are focusing in on films that kind of relate to the the strange and dangerous and slightly scary times we're living in now. So films that focus on on pandemic, on quarantine, on isolation, on the fear or that we're all feeling right now. And on that, I do hope everyone's staying safe and I hope you're well out there. Got to get out of the way right now. And the shows, these shows aren't there to, to make light of the situation. No. We are just in a situation where we have the chance to watch these films. So, um, so we thought we'd dive into some. And the first one we're diving into... This one, episode five, centers around a film you may just have heard of, Mad Max Fury Road from 2015. It did very well critically, 97% Rotten Tomatoes, 90 on Metascore, which is wild. Budget came in between 150 to $185 million, depending on who you listen to. It made $375.2 million worldwide, which for me isn't a great return. That doesn't speak uh, to the quality of the film, mind. Directed by the direct the director of Babe and Happy Feet, George Miller. Written by Miller and Brenda McCarthy. And look at this for a little cast. Starring Tom Hardy, 
Charlie Theron, Nicholas Holt, Hugh Keysburn, Nathan Jones, Zoe Kravitz, Riley Keough, and Rosie Huntington-Whiteley. And before we jump into discussion about the film, which we'll, we will say it's going to be a lot more spoiler-heavy than you're probably used to on the main episode of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, just because these are more candid discussions. But if you want to watch it in the UK, it's on Amazon Prime, uh, and also it's showing on Sky Cinema on cable and satellite an awful lot. Uh, and for our US listeners, where can they find this one, JB? It's it's currently not streaming with any subscription, which is kind of lame, but you can get it on anywhere you can rent or buy digital movies. So Prime, Amazon, uh, iTunes, Vudu, etc., uh, Google Play, wherever. Um, you can buy it, rent it. Uh, I would say buy it. It. Uh, I bought the Black and Chrome edition uh, for this viewing because i had seen the original version at least three times and i was like I, I really wanted to check out the black and chrome and i found that was on sale on prime i think for 7.99 um right now and uh it links up with movies anywhere so if you have movies anywhere it will appear on itunes and all your other stuff when you buy it there so i i really wanted the black and chrome uh the regular version i think was going for about 10 um which is more than worth it uh, this movie is one that i almost skipped when it came out in theaters i was just like ah, stupid action movie i wasn't a fan of any of the other mad max movies i never really watched them mm-hmm. um at the time and my friend an editor at burke reviews david was like hey let's go see it in 3d i'm like i guess and then okay. i walked out like mind blown yeah it was one of the last 3d movies i think i saw in the theater um and man, I was so impressed by that movie. I walked out just floored. I'm like, this is what an action movie is supposed to feel like. And um, I've been a fan of that since. And it, I actually did. I went, um, I started Burke Reviews not long after I saw this. And I uh, made it a priority to watch um, the original trilogy uh, in the first like six months. So I watched um, Mad Max, Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. It's usually just called The Road Warrior, depending on where you're looking. And then, um, beyond thunderdome which is the worst of the four let's be real but uh it has moments but um i had not realized until this viewing though that riley keogh was one of the the breeders um if you will and she's an actress i've become a really big fan of um she's amazing in logan lucky i think probably my favorite um part of logan lucky honestly uh, uh adam driver's great too but um she is uh yeah oh god yeah daniel craig um she is in uh honey um not honey boy what's the uh the other shia labeouf with honey in it american honey um she's really good in that movie uh she's in uh jeremy salonier's um the the netflix original i can't think of what it's called something dark dark no i can't think of what it's called she was in under the under the silver lake with um oh really with, uh, andrew garfield which is probably the best part that of that yet. film I need to see that. It's okay. Yeah, I've heard very not so great things, and that's why I haven't watched it yet. But it's on Prime. <laughs> yeah. I haven't. I haven't made the effort. But um, I like her a lot, though. I think she's a really good actress, and uh, I was excited when I realized who she was in this. And then Zoe Kravitz, same thing. She's really become an actress that I uh, I am trusting with her roles. Like she's excellent in the Hulu High Fidelity series. Um, so kind of seeing them getting their start and. I think this was when I became aware of Nicholas Holt. Uh, I'd seen him in some other stuff, but I, I didn't. I had not seen About a Boy, which is where he really his breakout performance. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've become a big fan of his, and obviously, uh, Charlize and and Tom are amazing. Like they're just outstanding, and they they really dominate this movie in a great way. Um, their characters are awesome. Yeah, because it's called Mad Max, and if you if you've seen the other films, you'll know that the films don't always center on 
on Max himself. And this is just as much Charlize Theron's film as Furiosa as it is Max. In fact, maybe even more. She's fantastic in this film. And I mean, the film itself, if the pandemic gets worse, is this how we're going to end up? Because I've seen people fighting over the wor- over worse than this in the last few weeks. Toilet roll, yeah. bread, soap. When the chips are down, some people turn into absolute freaks. So um, in terms of actual- how people behave, I've seen it already. Like they, they obviously right. in this film, Fury Road, civilization is civilization screwed after wars and the destruction of resources. Humanity has to basically survive, as Max usually does. He just needs to survive. He needs fuel. He needs resources. Um, that's one of the main themes behind Fury Road is simply survival. Yeah. Um, but with Charlie's Theron, you get the feminist dying angle, and no, that's not a dirty word for some people out there. It's fantastic. And the Vuvalini are just as great in his and the wives uh, of uh, Morton Joe's wives. M- Morton Joe is wicked in this film. I love the character design of Morton Joe. That's uh, Hugh Keys Burns' character. I think he looks great. I think he sounds great. I think he has that. He looks terrifying as the he's the ruler of the, the wastelands, basically. But Fury Road, man, I thought this movie was awesome. And I. Uh, have been saying so many of the other bloody awesome movie podcast episodes and main shows when it comes to action films that I just want an action film to f- just to not feel so like generic and plastic. I mean, see something like Anna from last year. Pfft, it's just seen it, been there, seen it, done it. Atomic Blonde had moments, but it still didn't grab me. And and even they're like spy action thriller films. But in terms of action, this is probably one of the best, if not the best action film of the last 10 years, and it's constantly named as the best movie of the last year. A lot of critics put it down as their favourite movie of the 2010s, just like hands down. You wouldn't think that from the the amount of money it took in, but critically it did well. But as for the film, it's like balls out action, but it's much more than that. It's a rare breed of action film. It has depth. The characters are great. There's emotion in it. Everybody in the film feels vital. They feel desperate. It It's heightened. You know, everything about it looks, you know over the top but that it's meant to and it looks incredible like the cinematography is wild in this and like some of the stuff george miller throws in like the obviously the image of the guy chained to the chained to the truck playing his guitar with fire coming out at the end of it it just looks bonkers but it looks great and i mean the film was nominated for 10 oscars an action film 10 oscars it won six film editing production design costume design makeup hairstyling sound mixing and sound editing get this it was nominated for Best Picture and Best Director as well, plus cinematography and visual effects for an action film. And it, again, it is more than just an action film, but to be nominated for the for the, for every big award going speaks volumes for this film. And it's a film which I, like you, wasn't particularly enamoured by because I'd seen, oddly enough, the first and third Mad Max films beforehand, and I wasn't bothered by them particularly. They were just films that would be on at about 11 o'clock in the evening, on terrestrial television over here. And, and, you know, you might put them on in the background or you just, you'd you'd heard the title of Mad Max. So the idea that they were bringing him, bringing him back, I was like, fine, I'm not going to go and rush out to see it because I didn't even know if it was a reboot, a remake, if it, if it was playing into like the film somehow, apparently it's set after Thunderdome, but other people say it's set between one and two. I don't know. But I, when I went to see this, like you, I didn't see it in 3D, but I came out and my mind was blown. And I too have now seen it in the black and chrome edition. And bloody hell, does that look good? That really, really, really does look good. Because in in its standard format, 
you know, it's, co- it's com- colourful, bombastic, it's flamboyant. Black and chrome stripped back, it's just as good, if not better, I think. So if you get a chance to see it, guys, check it in that format. Yeah, the contrast uh, alone in that black and chrome version is so dark and like mm. the detail it brings out in like um like skin patterns and stuff because they're like some of the people are tatted up or like the old ladies are real wrinkly and it just like it just adds this texture to the film that was was surprising to me um that's not something i always noticed but i really i, I really was a uh, kind of into the, the black and chrome edition but um this movie is like you said it, it definitely reminds me of the way people are fighting over toilet paper right now like if if, if we were starting a town because this movie has bullet town gas town and they don't call it water town but ultimately it's water town yeah. um each town has a resource that others need and that's what like unifies them into that one town right now we'd have toilet paper town like the the man with the most paper rules and is. you know that's kind of sad <laughs> but um, it, and, like, sounds like, it sounds like a joke but it's and, true uh, yeah it really is. I mean, apparently, uh, it's not what I would have expected to be the first thing to sell out, but paper products went real fast everywhere, and um, we represent that on our uh, graphic, too. We have the toilet paper fort um, that we built up, uh, and yeah, that's um, one of the, the things about this film. I actually love the leaders of each town, how they're they're gross, they're, they're gluttons, you know, they're like these fascists. They feel like like political cartoon fascist depictions, you know, of like these exaggerated like gluts, like they're fat, his nipples are pierced, but they're like he's wearing a, like a tuxedo, but there's holes cut out around his nipples and um you know, a Morton Joe uh has these wives that he keeps locked up for himself in a vault uh that he breeds and that's you know sick. And they're and all gross. models, aren't they? In real life. Yes, they are. They're all like super model level uh, actresses and fiction of like per- perfection in this kind of post apocalyptic world. You've got these almost like angelic women there. Mm-hmm. Which and George Miller does a really good job of not casting the male gaze, not over sexualizing no, them, right. and yet making them, you know, obviously figures of, of desirability, but not, you know, he doesn't film them that way. And he makes them tough and he makes them strong women and who are rebelling against this leadership. I mean, it's, it's, such a masterpiece of a film and of a script um I, my favorite uh movie related podcast it is not one i'm on um is the blank check podcast that i i will talk about consistently and by coincidence this week they started their george miller exp- exploration um with the the first mad max and um like i didn't know he was like he's an academic he wasn't going to be a filmmaker at first it was something he kind of fell into and he approaches it very academically and Mm -hmm. clinically and it's um it shows in his his style and his effort um one of the things too that's so amazing about this movie especially when you compare it to other films coming out around the same time is it's 90 percent like practical effects like there are some visual effects in there to make some things happen um, but ultimately like they made these cars and these people are actually like circus Olay uh, performers doing like these crazy stunts on these poles on moving vehicles. Like this movie getting made is insane. Like it, it probably should not have been allowed to be made based on like safety features and things like that. And yet it happened and we get this masterpiece as a result. Um, not saying every movie has to be like this, but man, when you have this and you see it and it, it plays through and you watch it multiple times and every time you're impressed. And again, it is like plot wise. It's very simple. It's like, we're going to go from a to B. Uh Oh, B wasn't what we thought it was. Let's go back to a. <laughs> yeah. And that's like all there really is. 
yet you have depth you have character you have world building and it's all done mostly visually like there is some dialogue there is some monologue but it's not it's not these exposition dumps that you would get in a lot of other movies they don't explain well you see when there was a an apocalypse event we decided to hoard all the bullets and thus started bullet town like you just get it you understand that's what happened what you know? saying, deal with it right and it's it's so much of this movie is just fun ex- exhilarating excitement um and then yet there's these moments where it slows down and you're you're you have to kind of let the weight of what just happened these action sequences sit on you for a minute and realize like people died people were you know injured or uh we we barely escaped we barely made it and like you have to sit there and deal with those repercussions and the world is not what they thought and that's one of the things that i think relates with this is this fear uh we said this is a little spoilery so furiosa's taking the the breeders uh, she's rescuing them she's breaking them free from a a morton joe and she's taking them to her home where she was once kidnapped and it's uh the green place it's this idea that there's this like uh, a utopia or a um oasis in the middle of the apocalypse that she's going to take them to and she finally finds some people she finds people that were from her tribe or her her group or whatever we want to call it and she finds out that that's no longer a thing you drove through it it's the swamp it's the bog um and she's she's shattered because everything she had been you know looking forward to turns out wasn't there and that's i think the fear a lot of us have right now is that we don't know what the world's going to look like when we come out of this i think most of us are expecting to come out of this but what's going to be left when we get there is there going to be a green place or is it going to be a shattered wasteland and that's where this movie really like hit hard for me this viewing is that that fear of will we have that place to escape to once this is all said and done and i hope so i obviously i want to be optimistic but the world is is so uncertain right now we're in a state of flux that we have never lived through the world itself has experienced this multiple times but not in our generation not in our uh lifespan and so it, it is this this level of fear and paranoia that I, I never felt watching this movie before but definitely felt this time around it's it's funny how you uh events going on in the world like real events can suddenly heighten what you're watching in fiction whether or not the film was good and in this case it is very good but like you say you can watch it and think do you know what i mean even though it is heightened and it's extravagant and and overblown you know the, the what they're actually doing is you know not a million miles away from what could be happening now like we say we've got people who are people who are fighting over resources here they are literally are fighting but in this real world we've got people fighting for resources and you bet your ass that if it came to it there would be people holed up in certain little towns and little their own little areas uh, hoarding their own little bits we've seen it already with things like toilet paper and stuff like that or people fighting over small like bars of soap that when it comes to it you know people will eat each other as Heath Ledger's Joker said as all the memes have gone on about um, and I, I, I mentioned the visuals of this film. Visually, I think it looks great. I've said that again. A lot of it, a few shots evoked John Ford, who we mentioned on the last episode of Movie Astrology. But it was a you know very sort of Western feel to this. And the DOP f- uh, for this film is now retired as John Seal. He came out of retirement for this film. Oh, wow. And his satchel CV, it's not bad at all. He's like witness... Uh, Gorillas in the Mist, Dead Poet Society, The Hitcher, uh, going down the uh, the English Patient, 
uh, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone or the Sorcerer's Stone, Cold Mountain, Poseidon, Prince of Persia, The Tourist. And this was actually his final film. You know, the, he did, it is such a beautiful looking film for such a cathartic, wild film. It also looks beautiful. And it's even in those quieter moments as well. It just looks incredible. And the, and the black and chrome, like JB said, it doesn't actually take away from the effect of the film. If anything, it actually adds to it. It adds a bit more pathos to those scenes and adds a bit more real world or grittiness to, to it. Take the colour away, but uh, but um, replace it with very lovingly crafted black and chrome because they haven't literally just gone onto um, a video editing software and just pressed black and white or decolorize it. You know that you can no, tell yeah. that they worked through each scene to, um, mm-hmm. to bring out all the black to make the blacks as dark as they can and to really heighten the the detail. So um, like I say, check it out in that format. But it looks great. Everything about this film is really good and. We, me and John, we don't try to find faults in films, but that's just what we do. Our eyes and our brains all could sometimes think, well, that wasn't that good, or when watching a film, could have done without that. But to be honest, for a film that's two hours long, I'm there's not dad. an awful lot in this film, if anything, that I actually didn't like in this film. Do you know what I mean? It's I, I generally mm-hmm. think this is a great film. There's some great, like, obviously the, the car chase is the, the bulk of the action in this movie, but there are some hand-to-hand fight sequences that are really well choreographed and expertly edited. Um, there's some, this really cool kind of, like, inside the head of Max uh, recurring element. Um, the You know, he can't let go of the things he, he failed, basically, um, or at least he thinks he failed, and that's I love how they utilize that throughout the film. Um, the costuming is, is horrifying, but really innovative and cool um and yeah it's just there's like everything about this film is is amazing and one of the things i think maybe gets overlooked because the visuals are so strong but there's some really like quotable lines in this movie like what a lovely day is a phrase that i have said so many times after seeing this movie and witness me is actually an expression that i've jokingly said if i'm doing something i'm afraid to do you know like like i I don't want to deal with this this insect i look at my friends witness me as i like (laughs) kill the spider you know like those are um things that in this movie i just find really fun to like kind of you know pull back and and quote and uh charlize theron who is an actress that i i adore i I really Mm -hmm. think she's easily one of my top five uh and I often forget to include her, but there's some performances, this one included, but uh, like Tully, I just, I absolutely love her in that movie. Mm-hmm. And um, she's, she's so good in this. And there's some like real important scenes and just how her and Max's relationship builds um, throughout the the movie. I, I really believe I, I completely get it. And especially if you've seen the other Mad Max films, there is a, um, a, a kind of a, a stylistic trope that Miller employs in each of the films um, that I'll wait and actually talk about on the road warrior episode we're going to do. Um, I think it'll be more appropriate when we've seen two of them to compare, but um, it's used here. And I think it, it just, it's such a cool formula because Max is a loner. That's we, you know, he's imprisoned by a Morton jo- Joe's uh, what do they call the, the war war boys? Yeah. The war boys. That's the guy, the um, army. Yeah, when he's in, he's captured by them and he becomes a blood bag for Nicholas Holt's character, um, uh, Tug, is that no Nugs, something like that. Um, doesn't Nicholas Holt was was it Nux? Nux, that's it. Um, but uh, he becomes the blood bag for him and all that. Um, yet he has he has this like 
I am a loner. I want to be left alone. But yet he also is empathetic and Mm -hmm. he, he is always, he has a hard time turning his back on people. And that's a a thing you see in all of the the movies, I think um, about Max. Like he's this guy who wants to be left alone. He's afraid of being a part of something because he doesn't want to lose anything else, but he's also unwilling to turn his back on people if he thinks he can help them. And I, I think that's one of the reasons I love this character throughout all the movies, even the the lesser ones, um, <laughs> which I, I wouldn't argue like the first Mad Max is really slow, but it's done deliberately. So, um, yeah. and, and it's, it's, it can be a bit of a slog, but um, I feel like uh, Road Warrior and Fury Road uh, Miller's like just got the pacing down pat. And I learned something um, from the blank check episode. They were uh, he had a collaborator that he worked with in the first two films, who died in a helicopter accident um, before they did uh, Beyond Thunderdome. And Beyond Thunderdome is like his morning movie to his friend, and that's oh, wow. like why there's a such a change in tone. And I'm like, well, knowing that, that kind of recontextualizes the film um, in a lot of ways. You know that I w- I would need to rewatch it, knowing that, and see if it changes how I read it because like you said sometimes context whether the world we're living in or the context of when you watch it the knowing the mind state of the filmmaker is sometimes important like what are they what are they trying to work through with their art and and then i mean when you look at miller's filmography you have these four dominant action films and then happy feet one and two i think he did two and then he did the first babe or the second babe he did one of the pig in the city which was nominated for best picture as well yeah, he's he's a weird filmmaker who has this, you know, kind of uh, interesting talent for like story and um, visual presentation. Uh, yeah, Bay Pig and City was 1998. And then he has a huge gap, though, between that's what's also crazy about his uh, filmography, which should note. He also did The Witches, The Witches of Eastwick, which I saw as a kid. Yes. Um, which is a weird movie. And then uh, I never saw Lorenzo's Oil, but it's a movie I've heard of. Got um, nominated for... Um best original screenplay for that yeah so you know and then he's got the the three kids movies and then fury road we're supposedly going to get either another mad max movie or i've heard talk of a furiosa tv series um and have you heard the the rumor for casting yeah anya taylor joy yes yeah i am so on board with her so i'm like oh man okay sign Uh, me up make it happen please yeah so george miller He's an he's a clearly accomplished director. A lot of his films has been nominated for Academy Awards for, but Fury Road to come out with ten nominations for a film like this, and I say that in the best way possible because a film which me and John have both openly said that when it came out we weren't overly enamoured by it. It was just a film. Okay, we'll go and watch it, but weren't expecting things of ten nominations, six Academy Award wins. We're sitting there gushing over it. We haven't even mentioned the. Uh, the sound, the score by Junkie XL, which was just big. I mean, that score is just like powerful. Drums, guitars, horns, just thunderful, thundering, powerful um, beats, which work for the like for what's going on on the screen. I really do quite enjoy Junkie XL's work when he on the films he does, but it really does work in this film. Yeah, so. the score in this movie is insane, and and I love how it's partially integrated into the the war party right like it's them yeah. playing the music like it's not it's diegetic which what a weird choice but it it's amazing because of it, it and, works uh the guitar player with the flames and uh man it's so cool like if you're like into metal 
because like, it, it the the look of the aesthetic of all the Mad Max movies have like a rock metal kind of vibe to it, you know, like sort of uh, cyberpunk heavy metal. Yeah, you have like a Judas thing. Priest almost like leather yeah. uh, thing in the old movies. Like it's just this, you <laughs> know, aesthetic that works for the the world. I mean, it's also like like the people who have fetishes won apparently like there was a war we didn't know about <laughs> well, <laughs> like, there's that and there's certainly in the next one we're going to talk about yeah 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 for sure um i do want to point out too uh d- d- side note because miller um the first mad max the bad guys uh toe cutter that actor is a, Mo- a molten joe in this movie oh, i only found that out today it was just oh, i didn't realize that yeah um i thought it was really interesting because it's it's very rare for like that kind of a gap for an actor and director to work together. And like the, in, especially in a franchise that he's able to play a second character yeah, yeah. and it'd be okay. Cause like, I, I'm sure there's some kind of fan fiction where someone like theorizes toe cutter didn't die and he became a molten Joe or whatever. But, um, and I, I don't know for sure where the, where fury road falls in the uh, chronological element of the Mad Max franchise, but it definitely is not a reboot in the full sense of a reboot because he he's the apocalypse has already happened there's implications of the stuff from the other movies did happen but you're not sure exactly when um and i don't know that it matters because the whole i think part of the the world of mad max is like there isn't much more progression it's just survival and uh it doesn't you know like right now as you were saying like feeling loopy time is a construct and when our world has been rearranged in such a dramatic way we have lost all sense of time. And like, if you're not keeping a schedule for yourself, you probably don't know what day it is. You probably don't know when it is. It's, it's, it's all an illusion. So. Yep. And on Hugh Keith, Keith Byrne, to be fair, since Mad Max in 1979, he hasn't really done an awful lot of note. So to get called back for Mad Max Fury Road and, all, and to put on such a badass performance, you know, it's props to props to the man for doing it. And again, in our next episode, there's another fun little, um, crossover of roles as well, but I mean, there's there's talk at the minute of you got uh, Josh Brolin as Thanos, and he's also Cable in Deadpool, and of course they're now part of Disney and Fox have now become together, and can can they bring Deadpool into the MCU because Josh Brolin's playing two characters, and people might get confused because they can't tell one's a big purple guy, um, mm. so that's that's actually a thing that's going on now. But obviously, a few keys burns. He's like he's hidden behind all those prosthetics and that breathing apparatus and. And wouldn't 30 years. Notice him. And 30 years as well. Yeah, but no, yeah. it's, it's pretty cool to have a, a director bring back somebody he worked with on, on on the seminal film like that and give him not just a background role, but a key role in this film. Because I'm sure George Miller had faith in his work for this film. But sure. So be- before we wrap anything up, 2015 Spotlight won Best Picture. This was nominated for Best Picture. What say you? I mean, Spotlight is an excellent movie, and I don't know that it has the rewatchability that Fury Road has for some obvious reasons. Um, mm-hmm. But I think Spotlight is definitely, given what the Spotlight was pointed at in that movie, I would say it, it deserves to win, right? Like, um, it, it was about some very real world topics that probably needed to be addressed uh, in a, earlier, much earlier than it was. Um, so yeah, I think I think the right movie one nope fair enough i thought i'd ask you that uh yeah in terms of it's, it's funny because you, you have to kind of ask yourself which is the better film rewatchability quality wise technically or what was it trying to say and spotlight is more of an academy winning film in terms of best say, picture 
though it to give spotlight some credit uh they they have scenes of people researching on like computers and in the libraries that are made to feel like action sequences and i was impressed by that um you know to feel like intense like action type vibes from like people looking at a computer screen or looking through books uh very few movies have accomplished that in fact dark waters um from last year uh did yeah. that again and it's it's rare to get like because those things can be really boring and i get why there are necessities for like journalistic films but man they really knocked them out in spotlight and um and in dark waters but so you know if you're going to compare action but it is about you know priests molesting children ultimately so i don't know how many times you want to sit through that yeah, like story really. it's very <laughs> like upsetting and, and troubling um where like fury road it's a it's an upsetting premise but it's it's fictional it feels distant it feels a little more close to home right now but (laughs) normally it's it's you know not something that you're like looking at your window going are we gonna be okay am i gonna be mad max or am i gonna be you know uh am i gonna be one of the breakers i'd be nux probably um but no yes a hell of a ride though whilst it's on so that's mad max fury road so have you got any more to add to discussion to that on that one buddy nope i think it's time to uh wrap up um I, I will, I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to say it. Uh, if you would love to follow us on social media, you can follow uh, the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast on Instagram at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. And Matt, we're on Twitter. At B-A-M-P, BAMP underscore podcast. Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast. And then me personally, you can find at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Letterboxd, where I encourage you, if you're a movie fan, that you utilize Letterboxd. It's an awesome social media site. Uh, They are not sponsors, although I really think they should be because I I have done so much for that website. But, um, you know, I love using it. It's a great way of keeping track of what I'm watching, what I want to watch, and I love seeing what other people are watching. So if you uh, make an account, follow me, I will probably follow you back. I tend to do that. Um, Matt, what about you? Where can they find you on the web? Uh, you can find me what I watch tonight.co.uk, what I watch tonight on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, but not quite so prevalent on there. Also on Letterboxd, just uh, search for WIWT or what I watch tonight, and you'll find me on there. And I, I, just as John said, firstly, yes, sponsor us. It would be great. But also, the website itself, on a more serious note, is actually boss. It's a really great website for. Um, collating all what all the movies you've seen across the years, got a great diary, um, and all the reviews, and you can follow other people, and there's and there's like critics on there as well. So, really good uh, place uh, for movie fans to come together and just basically check out what we've all been watching. You can make lists and check it out. But yeah, what I watched tonight, book reviews, you're not going to go wrong, guys. And I think that is it for this episode. Um, we'll be back with another uh, Apocalypse Now episode plus. We are going to be recording our uh, Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast for the month of March um, here soon. So uh, be on the lookout for that. It's a little different because they closed theaters on us. So we've limited what we can watch. But it's, yeah, it may be more of a streaming episode. But we did get to we did get out in the beginning, early parts of March as well. So, yeah, keep your eyes out for that. But that's that for this episode of the band Popocalypse Now. Always struggle to say that. Episode 5. So uh, until the next episode from me, it's the most definitely see ya and keep it bloody awesome. And from John? Keep watching movies. Blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 bloody.